You're a little older and a lot wiser. The future is yours. Define aging on your own terms. Welcome to AARP Without Limits with your host, Mike Olander. Hello and welcome. This is AARP Without Limits, disrupting aging. Over 50,000 watts here at WPTF. I am your host, Mike Olander, State Director of AARP North Carolina, with yet again another edition of AARP Without Limits, joined here as always by my with my partner in crime, our uh, engineering co-producing co-produ- superstar here, uh, Mr. Jason Kong. Jason, how are you doing today, buddy? Wonderful, Mike. It's great to be here with you. This is exciting. It is exciting. Another week here in the Triangle. How's your How's your week been going? You've been keeping busy. They still making you work for that paycheck here. You know, I don't know why they keep me around, but they do. And the the weather has been great. So anytime you can just open up the windows and not turn on the heat oh, or the yeah. air, that's that's perfect time of year. It's my book. been awesome. I was thinking about this recently, and I was talking about this with my kids. My kids are pretty young; they're eleven and twelve years old, and we were chatting about the season. You know, there's all this great seasonal stuff that's been going on, whether it's fall or winter in North Carolina, it's pretty mild compared to up north where, where I'm originally from. And anyway, I was talking to him about the fall. I was like, we actually have got, have had a really, really good fall this season, right? Um, I mean, I remember it was a couple years ago, it seemed like we went from 85 degrees to 60 degrees in like no time <laughs> and felt like we were, you know, breaking out with the jackets. And, um, uh, the fall this year really had just been really fantastic. So uh, all that to say, I've just been living life, enjoying it week by week. And, uh, you know, myself to AARP North Carolina is making me work for that, that paycheck as well. So <laughs> things are, are never, ever slowing down as it, as it seems. Um, but uh, one thing anyway, so to get into the heart of the show today, um, been doing a lot of thinking here as, a, you know, the older we get, the busier we get, it seems like, right? And, um, of course, AARP, one of the things that, you know, we primarily focus on issues related uh, to aging, getting older uh, in America and and the world, too. I mean, we look at this as a global phenomenon, of course. (laughs) Everybody ages, of course. It's a universal uh, challenge um, and and field for people to be working in. Um, We have... You know, there's so many different perceptions of aging uh, that are out there. And I I don't know what I look like to you age-wise. What would you guess if I could ask you, Jason? This is always a loaded question. Uh, I'll say mm, uh, 38. Wow, that is amazing. Um, I am blessed to be 47 years old. You carry yourself well. Thank you. And that's kind of the point I wanted to make. And by the way, folks, I did not set up a Jason to say that. Um you but uh, still I've, I've always looked a bit young for my age, and, and it's one of the very common thing I hear from people like, you're director of ARP North Carolina, aren't you a little young for that? Or I'll hear, you look young for your age, you look good for your age. And to me, that really speaks to the heart of the challenge that ARP has and that all of us do as we age is this sense of wanting to escape aging, right? Escape getting older, living in denial of our age. And you see all these very unfortunate plastic surgery, you know, these celebs who look fantastic and yet still want to, still think they can fool us all into thinking that they're 20 with some plastic surgery. Um, We focus on embracing aging at AARP and disrupting aging and working past the notion that we need to be fooling ourselves, um, into thinking that we can stay young forever. And actually, there's a lot of beauty in aging. And there's a, 
a really uh, important thinker out there, um, a geriatrician named Dr. Bill Thomas, who some of you may have heard. And if you, he started an organization called Changing Aging, excuse me, Changing Aging. Dot org. And if you go to that, you know, you can you can get familiar with some of his things. But he uh, has really been very uh, instructive in helping us um, and, and us, I mean, society, but also ARP. He's actually worked with ARP uh, quite a bit um, in helping to understand what it is to be aging in America and the understanding of just how significant the baby boom is and how that is actually changing how we should be structuring our communities right now. And by that I mean this, let's think about, we all are familiar with the baby boom, right? These are people who were born of that that World War II generation, born between 1946 and 1964. They are now turning 65 at a rate of 10,000 per day, Jason, which is, of course, crazy. That's been going on for a few years. It's going to continue for the rest of this decade, right? Most of the time when people think about this phenomenon, the baby boom, they think, how are we going to afford Medicare? How are we going to afford Social Security, right? What they don't think about, though, are how is how are local communities, how are states going to be prepared for this? How is North Carolina going to be prepared for this, right? Um, because before we live in the macro United States, right, we live in a state. We live in a community. We live in a neighborhood. And life starts and ends for most people, you know, getting up in the morning, out of your bed, and living your life. And if you need something, you need to be able to get transportation there or uh, have the services brought to you, whatever it may be. And so as we work with local officials or all officials, one of the things we try to convey to people is that this baby boom is very, very real. And it's not just, again, a national concern. It is something very much local. And the other piece to this and how aging, our perception of aging comes into this is that people really, especially decision makers, really need to understand that today, that this baby boom generation, which is turning 65 at the rate of 10,000 per day and is going to continue to the end of this decade, is very different than any other previous generation. See, the baby boom is significant not just because it was so big, but because it was so different, right? Prior to the 1950s or so, or, or, or you know, there was no such thing as youth culture in America, like, it just didn't really exist, right? If you think about it, if you think back in your mind, who were the cool teenagers going back the decades, right? And then you think, okay, happy days. That's probably, in most people's mind, kind of like that era, right? The 50s is where it started. Again, that's that baby boom generation kind of first coming into its own, being very, very different. And then, of course, that went on the next day, decade after that was the 60s. You had the social movements of the 60s. Again, very, very different generation, which gave us youth culture and defined youth culture in its own unique way. Those same people now are turning 65, again, at the rate of 10,000 per day. And what are they doing? They are redefining what aging means in America. And that is so significant to understand because it means that if you're in your 50s or your 60s or your 70s right now and you go, you know what, Jason? I don't. I love my parents. I love my grandparents, but I don't want to live my last twenty years like they did. I got different things in mind. You know, I want to be given back to my community. I spent a year building up a career, 
and I want to use those skills that I have um, in some way or another, whether it's continuing to work or writing or volunteering or whatever it might be, right? Doing a radio talk show, maybe, doing a podcast, whatever it is. Or for people maybe who didn't have a career saying, I always wanted to do X, and now's my opportunity to do that. Whereas the previous generation, you know, their role models for what it meant to be a, you know, quote unquote, senior citizen in America meant, yeah, I know you kind of play by this very narrow scoped uh, uh, playbook and, you know, you, you live a very kind of confined life. Maybe you go on some trips every now and then, but your involvement in the community is pretty much limited to, you know, maybe going to church, going to some community events here and there, voting, um, and that's about it. Whereas today's generation of those who are, again, redefining aging in America want to do much, much more different things. Uh, and things, in fact, things that are very similar to what we see with a lot of urban millennials. They want to be mobile. They want to be walking places. They're fine with using public transportation. They want theater. They want arts. They want travel. They want the ability to be able to use their skill sets and feel relevant and still feel alive in the way that they have all that they want that they did before in their working life, or maybe that they want to now in a way they hadn't done before. And so decision makers, those who are making the determinations about how to spend our public tax dollars, need to understand that you know, when you're, we're looking at the baby boom, we need to be thinking about it differently. It's not just enough to say, well, we have a senior shuttle and a senior center. What more do you want, folks? Um, a lot more. We want to be involved. We want communities built that are walkable. We want access to services that we're going to need, um, which include even really basic things like walkable parks that, that are safe and accessible to people of all ages um, and abilities. And um, I'll tell you, with... You know, it's amazing this the the, the number of um, um, stereotypes that are out there with aging, right, Jason? I mean, there are just so many of them out there that um, we have, you know, our work cut out for ourselves, so to speak. Kind of going hand in hand with that are some of the myths about what AARP is and what we do. Um, we have some people oftentimes who say, oh, AARP, uh, you haven't got me yet. I'm not a member yet. I'm, again, I'm fighting that, uh, that fear of aging. We're going to talk a little bit more about that um, after this break here. You have been listening to AARP Without Limits here on WPTF. Okay, we are back listening to AARP Without Limits. I'm Mike Olander with AARP North Carolina, and we have been talking about aging in America and um, just how significant the baby boom, which is, again, retiring, or not retiring, but turning 65 at the rate of 10,000 per day, uh, began a few years ago, running through the end of this decade, and how it is uh, not just a huge numerical of huge numerical significance, but also just culturally, you know, being so different um, in how it is uh, reshaping how we look at uh, changes that we need to be making uh, here in the United States as we prepare for this this aging population. And when we talk about, um, you know, in my work, I've been with AARP for 15, 16 years now, and I got my start at AARP New York 
worked a little bit in New Hampshire, and then uh, realized that uh, I want to raise my family. Uh, no better place than in North Carolina, a family down here, and uh, made the transition down to Charlotte. Throughout that 15, 16 years in different parts of, of, the, of the East Coast here, had some pretty universal experiences when running into people who are like, oh, you work for AARP and, and, and some of the um, perceptions people have of us as an organization. And I have to tell you, it is amazing to me, even people who have been uh, longtime members of AARP, um, just how much misinformation there is out there. And I want to share a bit of this because it's very, very significant because – you know, I hope those of you who listen to the show listen every week here in WPTF um, every Sunday at 1 or listen to our podcast online um, and that you trust the information that you're getting from us is valid information um, that is free of commercial interest. And and this, I know for some of you, be like, well, what do you mean? You're an insurance company. Um, actually, we're not. Um, actually, we are definitely not an, an insurance company. And that's probably one of the the biggest misperceptions uh, that folks have of AARP um, right now or for, for many, many years. And the reasons are very simple. If you're watching television, you know, you see a commercial for a health plan or something, and it'll say the only plan endorsed by AARP. And they see the AARP logo, and most people subconsciously think, oh, that's an AARP health plan. It's an insurance company. It's not. It happens to be a product that is endorsed by AARP. And yes, there is a business relationship there. AARP is a nonprofit um, that owns a taxable subsidiary, which is called AARP Services Incorporated. And they are the ones who make the, the connections with these vendors who offer these products uh, that are endorsed by AARP and carry the logo. And there's a, a royalty uh, arrangement there that helps fund the work that the larger AARP is able to do. Um, and that's why um, the work that we are able to do, we're able to do it in all 50 states. Um, we're able to do them free of charge. The ones that our state office managers are all free of charge to everyone, open to anybody at all. You don't have to be an AARP member. Um, you don't even have to be 50 or older to, 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 to be part of that. Um, and we're able to do it on a huge scale. So pre-pandemic, a typical year, Jason, we here in North Carolina are doing about 500 public events a year. Wow. 500. Just here in North Carolina alone. Free of charge, available to anybody all focused on giving you the tools to be able to make life better for yourself, for you and your family as you age here in North Carolina. And so um, ARP is not an insurer. We are a, a, a large nonprofit. We also, we're a 501c4. We also have a C3 foundation. Um, and uh, then there, of course, is this, this taxable um, a subsidiary that ARP owns. And again, the royalties from that help fund the organization, along with membership dues and some other streams, um, to be able to allow us to be able to provide information, resources, um, and support uh, to people who need it. And that includes legal services. Uh, we have had cases that have gone to the Supreme Court that we have fought free of charge for the plaintiffs uh, on issues like age discrimination. Um, and um, we've been doing that for many years. And again, we're able to do that uh, because of how we are structured. Another thing um, that, uh, that, that uh, perception that I've run across quite a bit is that AARP is a um, – because we do advocacy, it's just like every other advocacy organization out there that has a political action committee or a PAC. 
um, and endorses candidates and makes contributions. Um, ARP does none of that, has never done that, um, and will never be doing that. Um, and uh, that is part of what makes us so unique and so powerful. And I know a lot of people are surprised by that because we are very effective. We are very visible, especially on the national stage when it comes to issues like Social Security and Medicare, healthcare issues, long-term care, prescription drugs. Um, these are things that we hear from our, not just our members, but people 50 plus over and over. Um, that they need some advocacy on. You know, the people in Washington are not looking out for me. The pharmaceutical companies, the insurance companies are not looking out for me. We need an advocate to do that. And so ARP is able to do that um, through the weight of our membership, 38 million members across the country, 1.1 million members just here in North Carolina alone. We're able to meet with elected representatives, and to share with them the concerns that are important and vital for people as they age here in America. Uh, we have a think tank. We have um, all sorts of researches, uh, research resources, um, and again, staff all around the ground who are doing events, who are constantly connecting with people as ears to the ground, funneling to our elected officials truly what are the concerns and what are the needs of people um, as they're aging here in, in America. But that's a really important thing for people to understand. Again, as you listening here to the podcast or right now, WPTF, uh, over the airwaves, understand that uh, where ARP is coming from when we talk about elections, when we talk about advocacy work, um, we are not talking about partisan um, uh, partisanship. Um, and that's because of our mission. That is because of how we are structured. And also because of how – who are ARP members. Jason, it may surprise you, may not surprise you, 38 million members across the country, I guarantee you ARP members are just as politically divided <laughs> as the rest of the country. Now, thank God we're not having fisticuffs and things like that like you're seeing uh, here and there at, uh, at various places. But um, – you know, we need to be answerable uh, or accountable to to everyone uh, with the work that we do, you know, and uh, we wouldn't be able to do that if we were partisan um, in any way. So that would be a fast way to get some people upset. Oh, it is. You know, and it's interesting, too, is I hear, you know, people will say, well, you know, AARP took this position on this federal policy. Yeah, but we also took one on this other policy, which the other party was supporting, you know. And so we get dinged from the left and the right, and it's kind of the bane of our existence, those of us who work for ARP. Um, but for me, it's always a good sign when, you know, we see people who are on the left and the right and they really wish that we were more on their side. I feel like we are – their side politically, that is – I think it, that that's an indication to us that we're we're navigating that 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 course um, pretty pretty well. The other thing I want to mention um, here in the the, the last uh, couple of minutes that we've got is that um, this idea that um, ARP the work that we do is um, um, because we have working relationships with groups like United Healthcare or others that our advocacy work or other other work that we do is is ultimately geared towards um, 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 their benefit, the working on behalf of the vendors. And I can tell you firsthand, and I mean literally firsthand, um, that is not true, where we have worked on federal policy, 
Uh, Jason, I've had the experience where I have walked in to meet with a member of Congress and on the way out and, and to, to, to meet with a member of Congress to ask them to you know push for a particular piece of legislation. And on the way out were lobbyists for one of the companies that ARP very publicly does business with, you know, one of these products advertised on TV, lobbying against what we were going in there for, okay? And so – and it's because them as an, in, as an insurer um, taking a different position in terms of them looking at their bottom line and us looking at what is actually good for people, what is going to make life better for people, um, what policy – Solutions speak to the mission of AARP, which is to make life better for people as they age here in America, to make it so that people from one generation to the next have a greater sense of independence, dignity, and choice when it comes to determining how they want to live their lives in America. You know, And so uh, these myths, I share them with you all here because as we talk week after week with you all, you know, um, we get questions all the time from people who, who raise these questions, and I characterize them as myths because, you know, somebody gets an email, somebody hears something from somebody, and uh, I have to say, for the most part, Jason, when I encounter folks who've got these kinds of questions, legitimate questions, especially the way misinformation spreads throughout, uh, throughout our society these days, um, most people are understanding and are really, really um, pleased to have that uh, opportunity to hear from us directly and to be able to look into it on their own a bit more. If you have questions about AARP and how we do our work, I encourage you, send us an email, aarpwithoutlimits at aarp.org. Be more than happy to take the time with you. Um, and of course, any suggestions for topics, guests that you would like to appear to hear on this program, AARP Without Limits, please do send us an email. Again, AARP Without Limits. Thank you all so much for being with us yet once again. Thank you to Jason Kong once again for some excellent production. This is AARP Without Limits. I'm Mike Olander, signing off.